everyone, and welcome to this conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. It's always great to find someone who's sincere and down-to-earth. I'm talking about the kind of person who doesn't steal the energy from a room or a group of people. A giver of energy, even. My producer, yes, I have one of those now, came across David Dusheman on Instagram and reached out to him for an interview. He kindly accepted and scheduled a time to have a conversation. It was just one of those pleasant talks. I left it feeling better about the industry and the creative process and what our potential as human beings really looks like. And it felt genuine to me. No fluff, so to speak. To me, David is an optimist and a realist as well. I can appreciate that point of view more than ever right now. Humor me a little bit and introduce yourself formally and tell me a little yeah. bit about who you are and your background. Yeah. My name is David Dushman. I have for years been a humanitarian photographer, uh, but over the last eight years have made more of a transition into writing uh, about the art and craft of photography and specifically the creative process. I think there are a lot of people out there that are already speaking very well about the technical process of photography. And I'm much more interested in the creative side and the human side of photography. So if I had to put myself in a, in a pigeonhole, it would be in, uh, in the space that is more concerned about the creativity and the visual language of photography than about the technology and the technique behind it unpack that a little bit the sure um i well i i mean i've been a photographer since i was 14 years old and mm -hmm. um like many people you know i picked up a camera and it just kind of made sense uh, but at a certain point the pursuit of the technique and the gear began to feel very hollow to me next to uh you know the, the whole creative process and um you know rather than am i making the correct exposure am i making the right choices asking um am i making the creative choices am i making what possibilities are here and uh i have gone much deeper into for example storytelling and composition than uh any interest i might have had in how sharp your lens is or how to get rid of chromatic aberration um you know i can barely spell chromatic aberration i'm much more interested in photographs that that suck me in that pull me in and and uh speaking and teaching about that sort of thing rather than the other stuff like i said there's a lot of voices out there that are really good on, on the technical if you need to consult them i'm just not one of those voices yeah i'm curious as to how much of that pattern or that behavioral aspect of who you are do you think has been reactive Oh, probably an, uh, a lot of it. Uh, I mean, reactive in terms of what I see out there in the, you know, the right. popular photography industry, but certainly right. also reactive just to what I see within myself and my own desires. But right. yeah, very much. I mean, I've always felt like if I, if you want to occupy a space as 
uh, a creative or a thought leader, you, you kind of got to go where you fit best. And to some degree, you've got to go where other people aren't. You know, if everyone's talking about gear, that's not the space that I want to be in. I want to occupy a space that I uniquely can fill based on my own inclinations and talents and and what have you so but yes very strongly i mean i've been saying for years gear is good but vision is better because the gear is the thing that everyone seems to be focusing on and i see in that an opportunity to say okay well we're all talking about gear let's let's also talk about something else let's let's talk about the the empty places that conversations aren't happening in so yeah it's very reaction reactionary i think the camera manufacturers want everyone to believe that the the next iteration of this particular lens or this particular camera is the key to unlocking your creativity and i kind of want to i want to call bs on that and say actually no um because in a year and a half from now you'll have a you know a mark seven and and then that'll no we were just kidding now this one really is the key to unlocking your creativity and i just no you are the key to unlocking your creativity you are the key to telling stories that only you can tell and making photographs that have a piece of you in it so it's important but it's not paramount is that fair to say yeah, I would say, you know, the gear is obviously if if we didn't have gear, we'd be painting watercolors or sketching with charcoal or something. Right. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. The, the gear is uh, important for what you need it for, but it is insufficient. I want so I wanted to dive in a little bit to kind of why you are the way that you are and that sounds maybe a little strange but (laughs) i know it i know i know know. that could be a series right or a semester or or a course in and of itself but i I saw a common thread just even browsing through your podcast and looking at the titles and i listened to a couple different ones that that stood out to me but you're a deep thinker is that fair to say could be, yeah. I, I compared to some, maybe not compared to others, but yes, I certainly prefer to, uh, to you know think about you know the why rather than the how is is a common theme through what I discuss. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I would say I would think deeply. How does that manifest itself in your creativity and in your creative process? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I'm very. I advocate heavily for an intentional approach to photography, uh, or at least to certainly to learning the photography. You know, when when you pick up a camera and you see a scene, and uh, your default is throw it on auto and press the button, I think we miss so many opportunities. And uh, part of those part of those opportunities are the possibility of. Um, you know, could I approach it from a different angle and what story could I be telling and can I include the viewer in the scene with a wider lens pushed in close or maybe show a little bit of motion with a bit of shutter blur. And I think very, um, I kind of drill deep into the possibilities when I'm photographing. And I know a lot of people have said, well, God, if I, if I thought of all of those questions, before I made a photograph, the moment would be long gone, right. um, which is true. But I, yeah. I think, for example, you and I are, I use the uh, the comparison of language. You and I are speaking and, you know, we're, I think, relatively coherent. And at the end of this, people hopefully have got something out of our conversation. 
uh, but it's not pre-scripted and I'm not sitting here going, okay, I've got to construct a sentence now. What am I going to say? And, you know, the reality is I have been using this language long enough that now it is uh, what feels like intuitive, but the reality is I had to learn it over years. Now I can be very impromptu. Um, and I think while so much of photography is improvised, that doesn't mean it's unintentional. Right. And so my, the way I teach photography, the way I approach it is very, you could say intentional, but you could also say mindful. It's just a, it's an engaged, I collaborate with the photographic language and with my tools. I'm like, okay, what can, what can my depth of field accomplish here? Is it the right tool for it? What is shutter speed? How is that working? POV. And it's, it's this collaboration. Again, if I was, uh, if I'd only been holding a camera for two years, that'd probably be a lot to think about. But over the course of 35 years, thinking about that constantly has got me to a point where now it is like this conversation. It's just a natural improvised thing. Well, that leads into what I was just thinking about. How much of what you're talking about must be experienced? Like how much of what you're, you're referring to right now requires a length of time in order for it to be possible. Like we're talking, you're talking about language and, you know, sure. a, a, an infant or a toddler has a very limited amount of that language. And so for them, it's, it's completely different. Whereas as you grow, language becomes just a part of life to the point where you're not, you're not thinking about it anymore. So for you with your creative process and, and the intentionality behind that, yeah, you gotta, you need to learn this, that, and the other, but how much would you say you're able to accomplish just on a regular basis is based on the experience that you have behind that? I, uh, probably all of it. I mean, I don't think when you learn, you know, again, let's use language as a, a, a metaphor. When you learn a language, you can you can read the books and you can do the Duolingo on your phone. But unless you're unless you have the experience of getting those words out, you know, so that it doesn't sound like your mouth is full of marbles, right. um, you know, and, and like you've got to do it. You have right. got to put your camera in your hand and go out and. You know, it's one thing to have it here. Okay, yeah, I get depth of field or I get, yeah, a slower shutter speed will give me a little motion. But it's another thing to be in that context with all the other things going around and have to combine it with POV and have a sense of, you know, looking at it and going, yeah, actually, that's not my thing. I want to I go a little deeper rather than shallower. I want to move a little bit here. And You've got to, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I learned judo and you could never learn judo just by reading a manual. You had to get on the mat and you had to throw people around. You had to have learn your sense of balance. And it, everything that we learn has to be processed through the brain, but it's got to be experienced. You got to be out there, you know, seeing backlight and then seeing what it looks like on your camera going, okay, yeah, that's a little too dark. I need to brighten it up a little, actually do it with the hand. So when you pick up a camera, it's sort of, um, you know, it's a full system. It goes from the brain out the hands into the camera and then feedback. And you can't do it unless you're actually out making photographs. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, at least, I'm not, at least not fluent in a second language by any means. But the people that I know that are have all 
it, it seems like they've always said the best way to learn is to be like immersed, right? Like you learn the basics, but then sure. the quickest way to learn is to actually be in France or to be in, in, in a place where that's where everyone is speaking. I took French in high school, so France comes to mind right away, but and I don't know how to speak French, but those were four years that I took lots of classes. But I, I get what you're saying. It, it reminds me of that. What I wanted to ask you about as I was reading... 55 countries, is that right? 55, 60 countries that you've like Yeah, shot on? something like that. I think I'm I think I'm up to around 60 now. What sort of highlights do you have in a career where that's 35 years where you've been to 60 countries? Like what stands out when you think about the last 35 years of your life and all those different uh, places you've been? Uh, almost all of them are the people the the you know i was a shy kid i mean when i was 16 with my first slr the idea of i mean even standing in front of class and doing a presentation just terrified me and i i was just profound i'm still profoundly introverted i've just found ways of dealing with it and, um but the idea that i would ever travel around the world with my camera and you know i mean I was one of my biggest highlights. I've spent a lot of time in Kenya and uh, specifically up in the north. And I was adopted by this village. And that connection has remained incredibly important to me in my life. And uh, the village is uh, a Rindile tribe. And I don't speak, I mean, barely a word of, of Rindile, but I, I always have someone there that does. And, you know, they have, uh, when I had this accident in Italy years ago, I fell off a wall broke my feet, and, you know, yada, yada. Uh, they found out that I'd had this accident and was in the hospital and they sent this, it's called a rungu. It's basically a, you know, it's a, a war club and they, they sent it, you know, and they gathered the elders uh, under the acacia tree for the day with the village to, to pray for me. And to, to hear that there is this village of, I mean, we're talking about nomads. I mean, every time I go to this village, we have to ask directions. We knew where it was last time. <laughs> we don't know where and it is moved. This, oh. this time. And so every time we go, it's a little bit different. And, and you know, and, and they're mostly illiterate living the way they would have lived 2000 years ago, except for the fact that they all have cell phones. <laughs> um, but the fact that there is that kind of connection with people that are so different from me, uh, and yet we share this common thing. I mean, I get out of the Land Rover and we hug each other and there's the body language is all the same. The emotions are all the same. Everything else is completely different. And we can sit there and talk about things that matter, you know, through the translator, but talk about family and, you know, how things are. And, and it's just, it's fascinating. It, so, you know, I mean, I, I've been to all, you know, Iceland and Antarctica and stuff, and they're beautiful places, but uh, I keep coming back to the, the human side of it. Those are the places that most impact me and always where it's different. I, if you look at my portfolio, I'm not photographing in Canada. I'm not photographing in the U S I'm photographing in places that culturally, or historically are very different from my context because I know what my world is like. I know what my life is like. I use the camera as an excuse to go explore things that I don't know and, and to kind of follow my curiosity. I was, I was looking through your, your, your podcast, uh, a beautiful anarchy. I was struck by a couple titles 
in particular, um, what's the point <laughs> was, was one that stood out to me. Um, and I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm kind of want to come back around to essentially what, what we're all going through right now. Um, because mm-hmm. I think it makes sense to mention that all sure, things considered. Um, and then navigating fog mm-hmm. was the other one that, that stuck out to me. You, you write, right? You essentially have a transcript of your podcast sure. that you write yeah. and then you, 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 um, you narrate that essentially, right? Is, is writing a big deal for you too, from a creative standpoint? Cause you write very well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I actually, I think writing is a bigger deal for me than, than photography. I mean, it, it didn't start that way, but over the last dozen years, I think I've been I started more as a photographer that did some writing. And now I think, you know, if I, if I look at the amount of time and energy and love that I have for the different processes, it's probably more honest to say now that I'm a writer that also makes photographs. Uh, if I didn't write my podcast episodes, they'd probably be about an hour and a half long. I, I still say the same things. I just say them over and over and again, and I ramble and I, uh, I, with with an audience, I can stay focused. When it's just me in my creepy basement downstairs with my <laughs> microphone, I tend to be all over the place. So, yeah, I find writing. I find writing is uh, there's something you know when you when you're photographing, you're going out with your camera and you're relying on light and moments and all of these other unpredictables. Uh, and for me, you know, generally I have to get on a plane. So you mentioned you know our current circumstances and the pandemic, and no one's getting on planes and. Um, so for me, it's a significant creative outlet that I can engage no matter where I am in the world. I can always find a pen and a paper or open my laptop and write a couple thousand words about how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking or, you know, reach out and encourage some someone. My, my podcast came out of my desire to encourage creatives because everyone's out there kind of feeling like they're on their own little island. And I want to remind them all that the struggles that we have are all pretty common. They're all very similar and kind of want to create the podcast. I wish I had had, you know, 10 mm. years ago, 20 years, or even just now, you know, I'm not a podcast guy. I don't listen to podcasts. So a short 10 to 13 minute podcast that is relatively to the point is uh, more my speed. So let's do this. If you don't mind, I, I'd like you sure. to answer some of the questions that you posed in, in, in the podcast, the, the clips that I listen to in particular, if that's all right, if you could just, sure. and and then I'd like it if people would then want to check them out more. Um, what's the point in particular struck me all things, all things considered. What's the answer to that? What's, what's the, what's the short, maybe a uh, teaser answer to <laughs> what's the point? All right. Sh- short meaning not an, an hour and a half. Got it. Um, sure. Yeah, well, it came, I mean, the context is important. Someone posted, someone that I respect on Instagram posted a picture and just basically said, you know, in light of the current circumstances, I'm feeling like, what's the point of even posting this stuff? And my reaction to it, and I think what the point is for you may, depending on the day and what you've eaten, and it may be different for you than it is for me. But what I wanted in this podcast to remind people of is that we, it is not just for likes. It is not just for, Mm. you know, posting pretty pictures that the creative process, even if no one else sees it, it's as important now as ever that we 
engage the world, that we make beautiful things, that we uh, ask. I mean, many of us make photographs uh, or whatever we do as art uh, purely just to engage the questions, you know, and ask questions and find answers to those questions. And I think right now there's a lot of uncertainty and now is exactly the time where art has always been made uh, a little, maybe a little more honestly, a little bit more uh, vulnerably, vulnerably, a little more raw. Um, but to ditch the creative process now or to not share just because it feels so uncertain, I don't think, to be honest, much has changed. I mean, let me unpack that for a sec, because, uh, of course, everything on one hand has changed. But right. things have things have always been uncertain. We just didn't think they were, yeah. right? And now it has become abundantly clear to us that things are uh, out of our control and uncertain. And that's, that is the environment in which creativity has always functioned. I mean, hmm. you may walk into the studio and think you've got it well under control, but the fact is we're always engaging with the uncertain. We're always kind of trying to, to answer, what if, what if I do this? What if I do that? And, oh, that didn't go as planned. How do I do this? And, Right now, despite the incredible challenge that this is, despite the incredible heartache that it's bringing and challenge and difficulty, there is also the opportunity for us to say, how can I engage this as a creative person and respond to it with my creativity, with my art, with my photography? Some people that will be putting down the camera and trying something they've never tried. It'll be for me, it's writing. I haven't made a photograph for, for a couple of months. I barely left the house for a couple of months. Right. And I'm just not, not, that doesn't mean I couldn't, I just don't want to. And so I think the point of our creative efforts is the same now as it has always been to give us pleasure, to answer difficult questions, to connect with the world and engage with it. And Yes, the Instagram likes are less important, but haven't they always been irrelevant? I mean, are we? Maybe this is the opportunity to wake up and go. I was distracting myself with these little trifles when I could have been doing something more huh. immediate, more significant, more engaging. Yes, maybe a little less perfect, a little more raw, but that's probably a good thing. Kind of a jolt of perspective that we've all been forced to kind of reckon with. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think everything, you know, it's one of the big takeaways from a life as a photographer is that point of view is everything. You can't change the scene in front of you, but move that camera a little and you can change the spatial relationship of elements to each other. You know, you, just like in life, you may not be able to change your circumstances, but you sure as hell can change what how you choose to respond to them right. and, you know, go in with your eyes wide open, your heart wide open and... Uh, I've been amazed that this pandemic has given us, uh, not, it's not COVID, it's the way that we have responded. You know, we have the ability for the first time in history to reach out across the world during something like this and check in with someone and say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, and people are having these Zoom calls. I've never had so many happy hours in all my life. You know, suddenly I'm on, you know, I'm on Zoom talking to people around the world and having having a drink and laughing about things and keeping each other sane. And I, I think it's it's an extraordinary thing. My concern is when this gets to, you know, the new normal that everyone's talking about, 
are we going to wash it all away? Or are we just going to run back to our old patterns and our old mm. behaviors and go, okay, well that was, that was good for now. Um, but, uh, I got to get back to work. I maybe, but I hope we retain some of that, the connection and the, the concern for each other that maybe now has replaced some of those more trivial exchanges and just the likes and, because I've never seen people check in so often with each other and be so honest. And it's, I think it's fantastic. And it's an opportunity for, for us to all get better as creative people and create art. That's just a, maybe a little less, I don't know. I mean, haven't, haven't we got enough of this sort of billions of photographs, you know? <laughs> so I think that was, well, I think that was what, initiated this person to say what's the point not maybe right. what's the point of doing our art but what's the point of some of these just mindless oh i just i woke up this morning and i post instagram every day so i've got to post something let me find something and just stick it up mm-hmm. that may have been the question what what's the point of some of these shallower exchanges and can we go deeper i'm always asking can i go deeper visually spatially with my photographs i'm always like i want to go wide i want to go close i want to get depth in there, but also in our thinking and in our connections with people, you know, is it time that everyone's wearing masks? Is it, is it, uh, is it time that, I mean, maybe we have to all take off those other masks that we're wearing a little bit for a while in order to, you know, I don't know. There's a metaphor oh, in there somewhere. Buddy. Oh, Just, buddy. Hang on. I got I to gotta, I gotta record <laughs> a podcast. You want to write that one down? <laughs> well, I tell you what, that's, I think that's a very unintentional perfect segue into my last question, which you actually posed on Navigating Fog. You posed three questions, but the middle one in particular has really got my wheels spinning. You you advised everyone to uh, ask themselves three questions, and the middle one was, what does the world need? Hmm. Now, I'd like to take that out of context because it, it sure. fits in a context and in a narrative that you had for that podcast. But I'd like to yank that out of context context with you for a second. Um, and given everything that you've just said, really pose that question to you. What does the world need? The world needs a lot of things. And I would, I would actually... I'd like to expand the question because the the world needs so many things. It's overwhelming. If I Mm -hmm. sit at my desk and think, okay, you know, in context of that conversation, it was, it was meant to narrow our focus and help us navigate through the uncertainty. If you ask only that question, you're broadening it to such a perspective that it's probably paralyzing. You're like, I'm just going to lie in a fetal position on my couch and cry. Right. Right. Fair enough. Question a little more focus, same question, different wording is what what do I pro can I provide uniquely that brings value to the table that, that does serve some, and maybe not the world, but my world, right? What can, what can I uniquely do that brings value to them? And, you know, I, I, I mean, it's very obvious if you're a nurse, if you're a first responder, you know, there are people right out on the front lines right now in this pandemic. It's very clear what they provide. But you know what? There are there are cartoonists out there going, well, I don't know, you know, what's the point? Well, God, if we ever needed laughter, we need it now. Mm. You know, laughter is a break in tension. And it's not a laughter doesn't have to be a juvenile, unserious thing. It can actually be profound. Uh, right. In fact, I would argue that the line between laughter and tears is pretty close, especially these days. But we need that. And if that's your gift, if that's what you're good at, the world does need 
laughter, but let's make it, I mean, let's, if you're going to, if you're going to traffic in laughter, let's really do it, right? Let's not just do fart jokes and spitballs. Let's really, you know, give it to them, you know, with both barrels. So I think the world needs a lot of things. The question is, what do you provide that brings value? And, you know, this is a, uh, this is a great question for every photographer because I have a sort of side interest in the way that entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs, especially and photographers very specifically market themselves. And my God, you know, nine out of 10 websites from photographers don't have the foggiest idea what value they're bringing to their intended market. You know, it's all about me. It's all about what I do. And that's, that's fine. Needs to also be about that. But what kind of value are you bringing to the people that you're meant to be serving? Because you know what? The world doesn't want more photography. The, the world, we've, we're drowning in photographs. The world wants things that f- photographs can give to them. Yeah. You know, we, we want the memories we want, you know, that sense of connection to the future and the past and we want all of that, but they don't care that you're shooting on a Canon 5D Mark III. They don't, they don't want to see, you know, that's, that's a photographic circle jerk. It's not uh, bringing value to the people that we allege to serve. And I think if, if we can re, calibrate ourselves and look at what am I bringing? What is my art? Whatever, even if you don't think of your stuff as art, is what I do a gift to the world? Or am I just kind of, you know, hurling it out into, into space and hoping that, you know, I'll get likes for it? I don't know. I, I think the idea of value is a really powerful one. It can change your branding. It can change your art. And it can change your conversations, you know, instead of everything just being about me, me, me. What am I bringing to this conversation right now? Can I contribute something, a change of perspective, an expression of concern, something? What can I do that would meet some little need? And together, if 8 billion of us are doing that, I think we're going to take care of ourselves pretty good. (laughs) Agreed. David, where can people find you on the internets? That's everywhere. They just go to the Googler. Um, you can find me at daviddusheman.com. That's where you would find links to pretty much everything else. So I would say just go there. But uh, my podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, or at a beautifulanarchy.com. And uh, my many, most of my educational resources can be found at craftandvision.com. Thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. You're very it. welcome. Thank you. Till next time, brother. Yeah, let's do it soon.